0: parts of who we are as human beings is to be human is to be anxious Um, and it's it's not it's not something that we should feel a sense of stigma or shame or weakness about because it is actually our primitive survival instinct and a critical part of our uh, needs as human beings
1: hey folks jason here your host of the wealth faculty podcast and this week I get a chance to sit down with Dr. Jody Loewinger. Um, she's just written a book, The Mind Strength Method, and um, it's certainly a very interesting read. I've known Jody for quite a while, uh, an amazing lady. Uh, she's the founder of the Sydney Anxiety Clinic and has been working as a clinical psychologist in organizations, uh, you know, businesses, uh, communities, hospitals for over 20 years. And uh, one of the things that she has specialized in is the concept of anxiety and how it's showing up more than ever, more prevalent than ever in our in our society. Um, you know, right from you know school age children all the way through to uh, older people, and uh, in every corner of our life. And Jody has written the Mind Strength Method, which is a very practical, very hands on explanation of how to manage anxiety. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's never been more prevalent than, you know, uh, during and after the COVID epidemic where anxiety was heightened for many people around the world and, um, and really had a major impact. Uh, an amazing conversation with an amazing lady, very, very um, learned, very, very passionate, very, um, you know, uh, committed to helping people uh, manage through. It's very... It's very hands-on. I really enjoyed it. It's not a sort of, a, you know, a highbrow conversation. It is very practical. Her book is amazing. The conversation was awesome. Um, so I hope you enjoy this chat on the Well Faculty with Dr. Lowinger, uh, Dr. Jody. Um, take care. Bye for now. Dr. Jody, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Jason. Lovely to be here with you.
1: So awesome to to have you on the podcast. And I hear you're up in. Hamilton Island on holiday. So I do appreciate you giving us some of your time, your holiday time. I know you haven't been on one for a little while.
0: <laughs> just hopped off the Hobie, I must say. So it's all good. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're looking very relaxed and glamorous. Uh, I must say, so, um, thanks, uh, thanks for giving us, uh, the next 45 minutes, 50 minutes to talk about something pretty important to you. You've just launched your, uh, book that's been in the winds for a while, the mind strength method and, um, it's going great guns and, uh, and uh, the accolades to you, some information in there is absolutely amazing. But before we dive into chatting about the book and the Mind Strength Method, um, if it's all right with you, uh, could you let uh, my listeners know? And, my, and, and the listeners for me, my crowd, my tribe, are property investors across Australia and New Zealand um, and um, uh, many thousands of them listening into the podcast. But can you give us a little bit of background of where you come from? And if I could encourage you, to tell about the story potentially where it all started for you, potentially where your mum and grandma in the Holocaust world, to, an amazing story, but if you could elaborate a little bit to, to kick off the day.
0: Yeah, with pleasure. Uh, so I suppose um, starting from now, and maybe I'll, I'll then backtrack to my family history. I actually yeah. do a, a lot of work in your space uh, as a high performance coach and uh, an executive coach and with a sort of area of specialization in resilience, Uh, but real estate and development is an area that uh, is very uh, in my comfort zone well and truly because people in this game um, are constantly putting, you're constantly putting yourself out there and having to be vulnerable and in sales and negotiation and influence, and experiencing knockbacks and yes. you know, have, have that capacity to push on and push on and push on and build peak performance in that space. So um, it's an industry that I feel incredibly passionate about. And I do a lot of work in sales negotiation and influence. I was just actually interviewed by um, a real estate super coach um, who, who I, I shall keep nameless jason because i'm not sure if you want me (laughs) to name the name because you are the real estate super coach (laughs) um but no it is an area that i feel very passionate about and in fact my dad was um a real estate agent so he worked in commercial real estate and uh he he, he's no longer alive but he was certainly an incredible role model to me so um so I, i wear several hats i am a high performance coach to business leaders And I'm a doctor of clinical psychology and an anxiety mindset and resilience expert. uh, The various areas that I work in and building high performance leadership. And uh, so before my clinical um, credentials, I was in management consulting in change management and business strategy. But going way back to... uh, before I was born, my family uh, was originally from Czechoslovakia on my mum's side. And she was born just at the dawn of World War II. And they were living in a small town called Topolchani. And, uh, and they were taken, uprooted, taken out of their homes, and taken, my mum at the age of one was taken into a labor camp called Novaki. And her aunt was taken to Auschwitz um, to to a concentration camp of, you know, one of the worst of the concentration camps. And she was actually there for a long time. Um, And and while she was there, uh, she, my, it's my great aunt, she was uh, given the job to go through the belongings of the people who were Actually taken to the gas chambers to be, to be slaughtered, to be murdered, and as she was going through these belongings, she, uh, it, it was an absolute miracle. She came across uh, a photo of my mum, and this photo is of my mum with outstretched arms a, as a baby, um, to be picked up, to be hugged, and uh, and so my great aunt, her name was Elsa. And so she took this photo and she smuggled this photo and she hid it in the cracks next to her bed. Um, And this was what allowed her to hold on to her sense of humanity because, you know, a a strategy in uh, the prisoners of war and in death camps is to dehumanise individuals. And this allowed her to hold on to her, her, her humanity. And it was her story of absolute resilience to realign out of, fear and realign to, to meaning and to values and to purpose. Um, and this sort of is, uh, uh, is one of the core key stories of my childhood. She survived mm. Auschwitz and was reunited with my mum and the family. Uh, and uh, it's a story of incredible courage and survival. Uh, and it's laid the foundation for me to be um just wanting to help people to build resilience right from a really young age my mum was ex- you know my mum has always been fairly anxious given that she was born into a labor camp and death and stories of
1: yes. survival around her yeah um, well i'm curious to to sort of you know hear that and and often when someone uh you chat to has some passion Sometimes there's a backstory, sometimes there's a, there's a history or something that drives them and I was curious to hear and read and, and see that that has formed part of your drive and passion for this. Were you aware of that when you were younger? Was that part of your, your family conversation or was it something you observed as a, as a young child and, and a young adult and then you, know, you very quickly chose or, or pursued this professional world of, you know, um, at university and, and, uh, making it your career. Um, but was it, was it something you're aware of, or was it something sort of outside of the conversation with things you didn't talk about?
0: Uh, we always were very open about emotions in my family and, uh, quite comfortable to, uh, to, to share and to go through these sorts of emotional, um, experiences together and support, and I was, you know, certainly uh, a parent to my parent to quite a large mm. degree because my mum, as a very young child, was separated for, um, you know, almost a year from her parents and hidden in, in uh, at, in an attic and hidden in a barn and um, at the risk of death, and these were the stories of her very early childhood and then eventually um, came to live in Australia. And so I think I I was always sort of right from a very early age was very much a protector and a caregiver and uh, quite intrigued probably by the experience of emotions um, based on these stories of uh, my, my previous generations and which became stories of my childhood and so through school, um, I was actually quite artistic in school like I um, came first in the state in, in art <laughs> in my major work and the reason I mentioned that is because I did um, my major work actually on a series of emotions in children and uh, and I've actually got that I was I only recently got that framed and it, uh, it's quite intriguing because at the time I certainly, as you say, I wasn't necessarily overtly aware that this was an area that I felt passionate about, and in yeah. fact, went to do. A, I started doing a bachelor of design. I was thinking that I would get into design and in advertising um, to be this, you know, kick-ass advertising executive. Um, <laughs> but art was my thing; design was not my thing. Um, so then I subsequently moved into studying psychology and really. Uh, found it an area that I felt extremely passionate
1: about when did uh, when did the idea of uh, anxiety become something that you thought hey listen you know this is a challenge an opportunity a problem that I'd love to sink my teeth in into it's it's where you've specialized for quite a while now in your career and your businesses and and the book you know combating anxiety like you know record levels of anxiety or anxiety um related mental illnesses and stuff like that going on in society was there a time when you saw that this was a challenge a problem and you said like i that's what i want to work on
0: yeah i i I originally wanted to specialize and in fact did quite a bit of specialization in child and adolescent uh psychology i did my undergraduate thesis in uh child development cognitive development and uh was quite passionate about helping children and funny that right where's the yeah. irony <laughs> helping children deal with their pathology right um so uh, so then but then i was poached out of um my i i did my undergraduate psychology with a view to doing clinical but uh was poached into corporate from uh, pwc into management consulting and change management consulting and business strategy and leadership development. So I did quite a number of years working in management consulting and then was uh, poached into Macquarie Bank and did internal consulting for Macquarie Bank for for a number of years. And then went and did a doctor of clinical psychology and worked at Harvard and did a whole heap of stuff. That's really when I started to say that anxiety was what I wanted to specialize in. And so I did my doctoral research in uh, anxiety. And that was actually child anxiety uh, with a view to, to building preventive programs in schools. So I, I did actually do quite a bit of specialization in child and adolescent. And so one of the hats that I wear is actually as a parenting expert and um, at the Sydney Anxiety Clinic and what is now a digital business called the Anxiety Clinic, where we're uh, 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 building products and programs now in this incredible digital space to help people on scale is everything that I want to do and am doing. Yeah. Um, so, But the, in essence, the business uh, is helping adults, kids and teens with anxiety, stress, mood and behavioural challenges. So um, the other hat that I wear is as a keynote speaker and I'm often doing a lot of speaking engagements in schools, and working with um, parents as well as educators and primary schools and high schools to build resilience and well-being and uh, um, anything in the realm of mental health, performance, and yeah. well-being. Yeah.
1: Um, so let's. So let's. Uh, let, let me ask you a quick question for those listening in. You know, how do you how do you define anxiety. Um, so nervousness, anxiety, depression, you know, it, are they all sort of one in the same hat? Or is it something very specific? Um, when it comes to how do we define anxiety?
0: Well, I I define anxiety probably a little bit differently to most, uh, to many, let's say I'm quite passionate about changing the way people perceive anxiety, and really taking it out of a medical context and bringing it very much into a human context. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. in answer to your question, I the first thing that comes to mind in uh, your question of how to define anxiety is I would say being human, <laughs> um, <laughs> because because it is probably one of our most primitive uh, parts of who we are as human beings. Is yeah. to be human is to be anxious. Um, And it's not not something that we should feel a sense of stigma or shame or weakness about because it is actually our primitive survival instinct and a critical part of our uh, needs as human beings. So what anxiety is, is our physiological reaction to threat in our environment so we might let's sort of think about the cave person in all of us because we are still in essence cave people um and we we engage in very primitive ways and that's brilliant especially in the world of of property and real estate and development because it's heart and soul about being able to recognize the drivers of human behavior and when you can recognize that we actually engage in a very primitive way where there is primitive engagement there is predictability in human behavior and where there's predictability you can leverage that and utilize that understanding to be able to um, build effective and cohesive relationships um, which is heart and soul so important to the work that you do but in answer to your question um, anxiety is our response to threat Um, So back to the cave person in us, if we were to leave our cave and we were to see something that was a predator, we would want that fight or flight instinct to kick in. It is the adrenaline and cortisol in our bloodstream getting us to focus in on our threats and getting us to respond with agility and quickly to either fight or to run away. That's what anxiety is. The challenge in our contemporary world is that there's a lot of, unpredictability in our environment there's a lot of uncertainty and so we have this thing in our brain called worry which is a perceived threat it's our fear of the possibility of something bad happening and so what happens is the physiological reaction of that perceived threat kicks in as if it was real threat and so we find ourselves in this contemporary world where we grapple with all sorts of uncertainty because that's our primary perceived threat mm. uh, it, it tips us into anxiety when we don't necessarily need it to be activated
1: so it's it, are you sort of saying here I'm, I'm i'm sort of thinking okay well anxiety per se is not a bad thing it actually keeps us safe or helps us survive in in moments where we need to react fast or be anxious about you know is that maybe that tiger's going to eat us or is that car going to run into us or whatever it might be in our our regular every day but uh, you're saying it's an over over anxious there's more threats potentially that aren't real or uh or over analyzed by our mind our brain our body and uh it's this over anxious more more anxiety than we than we need um normally yeah
0: exactly right exactly right and you know there are certainly individual differences i talk about human behavior being predominantly predictable but where the individual differences come into effect is our life experience our genes our the way our brain is structured so people have certain predispositions so inherent vulnerabilities that they might be born with or environment environmental circumstances so I conceptualise anxiety on a continuum of normal human behaviour, in some people mild, moderate, severe. Um, Some people might have some physiological uh, experience that makes them inherently more vulnerable, uh, and then life experience that might make an individual a little bit more vulnerable to that what's called the hijacking amygdala, the part of our brain that is the control center of the fight or flight reaction. One of the key messages that I would love everybody to recognize is that if some of these experiences are relevant for you listening today uh, is uh, recognizing that the vulnerabilities, the challenges are all, I don't even say treatable. I say helpable because I want us to let go of stigma and shame and to recognize that it's not weak to experience anxiety. It is human to experience anxiety. And so it's not about not having the difficult emotions or the difficult, you know, physiological experiences sometimes, um, which is what anxiety is. Mm. It's about Creating space to choose how we respond to them, and we want to respond with helpful actions rather than unhelpful actions, and that is core to the Mind Strength method. Very, very doable.
1: That's a great distinction, and you know, for me, a bunch of those are landing right now. It's like it's very normal to have anxiety. It, it it's not it's not it's not a it's not abnormal. That's that's the human experience, is what you're saying. But if we learn how to uh, React to that consciously and well, and in a healthier state mentally, emotionally, physically, that anxiety or stress becomes less uh, impactful. Um, let's say to to our everyday life is really what you're saying. That's that's a great distinction. It's it's not about not having anxiety ever, right? It's about managing that stress and anxiety that's going to be normal in our life, right?
0: Hundred percent. And yeah. you know, yeah. if this key message was front and center in in people's minds as a society, there would, society would just be flourishing in so much better a, a state because we still have these societal messages that say it's weak to feel, it's you're not good yes. enough to feel and you got to shove it down. You've got, to, you've got to numb those feelings and that's when it creates much more damaging problems in society where uh, people feel like they have to escape from their emotions, and sometimes there's various representations of these. It might be drinking, it might be gambling, mm. it might be gaming, it might be, you know, numbing our emotions through through comfort eating, or the, you know, some of the more severe representations, self harm, and as as I'm sure you know, sort of yeah. suicide is 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 the most severe example of our human attempt to numb big and difficult emotions. And we have horrendous statistics um, of suicide, uh, you know, uh, around the world now where people just grapple with the the challenges that society face of the perceived need to be perfect in order to be okay.
1: Mm. In your book, um, you say, and uh, I haven't had a chance to read it, front back to cover yet but I've got my hands on it today and I've been uh, leafing through it all morning and um, one of the things that jumped out at me was that the stress is the new normal Can you talk to me about that a little bit because I, I think I, I'm, uh, I understand a bit but I, I think this is kind of you know a really nice little opportunity to talk about you know what is normal what is not normal you know stress is stress the new normal like more stress as a new normal what, what, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, you know, we get caught up, what I say, we get caught up in the tsunami of life, right? And that this is the world that we live in. And we, you know, it's not about necessarily hating it and fighting it. But what we want to do is recognize that how can we realign to the society that we live in? And certainly, Um, potentially create change and be leaders of change where we recognize, let's say the environment as one, Um, but stress impacts us at levels that we have not yet caught up with because the world that we live in is a technologically driven world and we are biological beings living in a technological world. And now, you know, this was a problem pre-COVID. This is not a COVID problem. COVID has just uh, escalated the uh, digitized world that we're in exponentially. It serves a very powerful, helpful purpose to a large degree, um, but certainly it's out of line with what we need as human beings. So we are biological creatures, but uh, the world that we live in is taking us away from you know we have green screens but we need actual green trees around us uh, yes. but yeah the, the other so there's two elements um you know digital connection always being on um enormous uncertainty fast pace but the other is the impact of so- social media perpetuating our sense of um needing to be perfect in order to be okay and uh creating a an airbrushed society where we perceive that we have to uphold these certain standards that are bombarded into us from a very young age
1: now yeah 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 and what what would you say um right now to those listening in you know covid certainly has changed a lot like you're saying how we how we interact with in work and and potentially more than just work life now. Um, you know, what would what uh, advice or, or warnings, tips or strategies would you give those thinking about work from home? Um, you know, no offices, less contact, you know, um, is there is there some challenges opportunities there to do it right or do it better?
0: Yeah, there's heaps of, of opportunities to do it right and do it better. You know, in the book, what I cover is very much around uh, empowerment. You know, it's it's a book that aligns and will help everybody, not just about people who experience anxiety to more severe levels. It is the Mind Strength Method is a four step methodology that allows us. To learn about who we are as human beings and pivot and realign with a toolkit to build resilience. And part of that toolkit is uh, recognizing the mind body connection and scientifically supported strategies to bolster our well being in the context that we live in this digitized world and the fast pace, the uncertainty. We want to build high performance within that context and be the best that we can be within that context. So if we butt heads with it and say, damn you context, (laughs) damn you stressful society, you know, I'm going to go and live back in that cave that I was in when I was a cave person. Right. That's not the reality. We want to respond with helpful actions. And that is core to what the mind strength method is about. And ultimately, the brilliant thing about this is that when we can build a resilient mindset, we're building peak performance, we're building a high performance mindset. So I work in a coaching space, I work predominantly with um, CEOs, senior leaders in, in real estate partners, directors, principals of, um, of agencies, you know, I'm working with some of the the top uh, real estate agencies in Australia and and as their high performance coach. And it is is the mind strength method that we jump into. It's just that when you're in a business context, as you absolutely know, Jason, it's about uh, what are we realigning to? You know, we are realigning to business strategy and so this is you know it's heart-centered action that's what that is and so as human beings it's our capacity to build self-awareness and take yourself in a nutshell out of the unhelpful stuff and realign to the to the helpful stuff that enables us to move forward in an optimized way professionally and personally
1: bit more aligned with where you are. Could you take us through the four steps for those listening in, encourage you to grab the book, The Mindstrek Method, some great stuff in there. Very practical too. Uh, I love all of the charts and pictures and and activities, Jody. I'm a very visual, visual learner and and I'm really enjoying it. So but uh, could you take everyone through, you know, a quick overview of the four steps and uh, you know, uh, what they what they entail sort of, you know, from a high level?
0: Yeah, 100%. And thank you for the, for uh, that comment. You know, I wrote the book in a way because I want to be able, I want it to connect with everybody. And so I wrote it in such a way that it's for, uh, it's not for any particular gender it's for as much for men as it is for women um it's as much for parents as it is for business leaders parents are so often business leaders so so you know it, it's it's a book that's designed to connect with everybody and it's extremely practical the book is uh from cover to cover honestly if you were to put a value on the content in terms of therapy alone it would be thousands and thousands of dollars i kid you not in that book (laughs) i have shared in abundance and i have done that purposefully because it is a heart-driven mission that i'm on to be able to change uh, to, to help the world basically um so the the toolkit is built on seven years of clinical training and decades of experience The four steps are, step one is really about awareness. It's awareness of our fight or flight driven thoughts, feelings and actions. So what do we do when we have got worry thoughts taking hold in our brain, AKA also known as being human? Okay, because who doesn't have worry thoughts? Well. I think the person who doesn't have worry thoughts wouldn't necessarily be alive.
1: (laughs) So they'd they'd probably be dead.
0: (laughs) They'd be dead. Um, So I hope everybody's putting up their hand right now because I hope everybody (laughs) listening is alive right now. Um, So yes, so this is a human thing. It's building awareness around, you know, when when worry is bossing us around, it tips us into fight or flight because we are wanting to move away from, worry like worry is there for a reason it's there to help us in the case of real threat um but in a in a you know in our contemporary society there's a lot of perceived threat so it's what happens in this context building awareness around that is step one um i talk about building awareness of what we're pushing away from uh, because in life we don't want to be driven by fear right we want to let go of fear we don't want fear to boss us around we Mm. want to be driven by what's in our heart our heart driven actions our value driven actions our strategically driven actions right and this is what we want as i conceptualize this as the pull towards a desired direction in life
1: that's a that's a conscious choice rather than an unconscious i gotta run away i think i'm afraid type idea like sort of you know choosing or yeah 100%.
0: And, and, uh, and we can all do this, you know, that's the beauty of it is that it's very doable. So anybody who is suffering in silence, please, please do not suffer in silence, you know, there are too many people suffering in silence. There are too many people, uh, you know, having worry stories that say, I'm not good enough. They're going to judge me negatively. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to fail. Uh, I'm not going to make enough money to put food on the table. Now, uh, real estate, yes, we're in a pretty, you know, dare I say, I'll just say hot time, yeah. <laughs> um, but you can fill in the blank there. We we are you know we're in a good time at the moment, but you know I, uh, this this is not necessarily going to last. And there's a lot of uncertainty in in development, in real estate, in in construction, in you know in your space, and it's mm. so cyclical. So you have to move with uncertainty. You have to sit in enormous uncertainty. Um, So it's how to pivot and realign in that context. Step three of the mind strength method is the mind strength toolkit. It is a toolkit to build resilience, everything logical, everything doable, really straightforward stuff, nothing fancy, um, uh, but built on a ton of clinical experience and strategies. And, evidence base where I've you know literally worked with thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh to build an evidence base of the efficacy of the mind strength method Mm -hmm. step four predominantly is building a well-being action plan so you can then live your life in alignment with in a business context peak performance optimized uh, professionally and personally, with mental health and well being and resilience.
1: Yeah, having a great toolkit that's practical is so, so important. Um, you know, there, sometimes there's lots of things you could do, but what can you do? Sometimes, maybe, you know, maybe could you speak to that for a second? If somebody is sitting there and maybe, uh, you know, feeling worried or anxious, or, you know, sometimes the first step is sometimes the hardest step, you know. What would be a, a simple, easy, easy start for someone maybe listening in right now and going, okay, what would be a good first step? Where, where would you start if, uh, if uh, you were chatting to someone like that?
0: Yeah, really, really great question. Um, so, it, you know, where I do start is building awareness around what worry is saying and, and how anxiety is showing up if it is in fact an anxiety specific issue that I'm helping a person with. Uh, but ultimately in a leadership and in a business context, it is about thinking, where are the pain points? Where are things getting in the way? What are the strategic goals? What are the stretch goals? If you could achieve anything, what does that look like? So, But if a person is um, feeling emotional distress, um, a very good go-to as a quick and easy is starting to notice uh, when worry is taking hold. Worry as an unhelpful mental process. Um, if you can build awareness of what worry sounds like, what worry, uh, what the narrative is there and notice because that will typically hurtle you into the future about stuff that's out of your control. And if you can bring a self-awareness when that's happening and move from worry which is typically around the stuff that's out of our control, the uncertainty, because this is an uncertainty problem, Mm -hmm. Into move from worry into problem-solving and action planning around what's in your control because there's no point worrying about what's out of our control. Now, we all do it, right? It's just because (laughs) that's our automatic reaction. We want certainty as humans. Believe me, before I launched the book, I was like, so much worry because it was in sitting with enormous uncertainty and now I've got a best seller. (laughs) Boom. Um, I, I have proof of concept now, so I'm feeling good. Um, but, uh, but certainly we all experience worry. We all, and you know what, Jason, another one of the, the, the things is I am so grateful for the space that I, uh, specialize in because um, people and what I'm about to say is a generalization, but it is a generalization built on a lot of experience. Anxiety is the protective instinct at play. Anxiety is, uh, you know, our desire to help people, our desire to help the tribe, our desire to protect the tribe, um, our desire to keep ourselves safe and well keep our loved ones safe and well, and keep our organization safe and well, right? We want things to be okay. So what I find very commonly, the thread that happens in people who experience anxiety is caring human beings. Mm. Um, You know, kind heart, analytical mind, higher need for order and control. Because when we have control, we have certainty. Where we have certainty, we have protection and safety. You know, so these are some of the concepts around people who experience anxiety are oftentimes kind, caring human beings. Um, And But it is that double-edged sword. And so I want people if this, if you who are listening, if this, if you can relate to this, recognize that these are inherent strengths, qualities to feel very proud of. Uh, and recognize that yes, it does come with its challenges. Sometimes the challenges can be debilitating, sometimes the challenges can be terrifying. Um, but those challenges are very helpable. So don't suffer in silence seek out the help that you need, whether it's from the book, whether it's from, you know, the mind strength method, or whether it's from, you know, leveraging your community and your leaning in connecting with your family or friends, or seeking out the help of a trained mental health professional. Um, the bottom line is do not suffer in silence when there are very helpful strategies available.
1: Absolutely. And, um, um, you know, what, what I'm loving in the last 12 months, 18 months, two years, three years, you know, even with my son's school and, and um, you know, I can see the, uh, the recognition and the encouragement of people coming forward and saying, hey, it's perfectly fine to feel stressed or worried or have anxiety or say I'm not doing okay. And, um, you know, I, I think that's fantastic. And your work's continuing to spotlight that stuff and not Not let it sort of hide in the corner. Be okay to come out and get some help. So I think it's fantastic. So when when on on one of your pages in your book, um, 268. I don't know if you remember, but there's this pyramid. And at the bottom of the pyramid, I'll show you the picture. See if (laughs) (laughs) you can see what I'm talking about. Um, One of the things you know, and one of the things I love about this is it's very practical. So you know, if if you know if you're if you're feeling a bit sort of stressed or anxious or whatever, maybe. You know, am I right in saying or can you comment that um, sometimes it's good just to do some practical stuff first before you jump to some conclusions? Maybe get some sleep, get a little bit more exercise, eat a little bit better tomorrow, the next day or something, and see how you're rolling and that sort of almost like a um, bit of self-medication. there's there's probably not the right uh, phrase to say it, but, you know, take care of yourself a little bit better um, with some practical things too.
0: Definitely, and this is good – you know it's good self-medication right because (laughs) this is this is the mind body connection and completely evidence-based scientifically supported strategies are some of the most fundamental straightforward things um as you say exercise connecting with family connecting with friends um eating well you know it's making sure that you look after yourself uh with good food and staying hydrated with water and okay. um you know uh yeah indeed cheers jason cheers to you man um uh but you know what i want people to do is let go of perfectionism in this especially people who care and want to do well especially high performers right, is um, oftentimes we think we've got to do the perfect, you know, Pilates class and we've got to do the perfect hit workout. Yeah. And and then life takes hold and we're incredibly busy juggling a million things, family, profession, et cetera, et cetera. And so if, and, you know, meditation is a classic example of that. Uh, we think, oh God, I'm I'm not going to be able to do that. They talk about best practice med- meditation is a lot of time. Now, best practice is, is best practice for a reason because the evidence demonstrates it's really good for you. Um, however, if that's getting in the way of doing anything at all, we want to let go of that. So yes. one of the things that I that I often say is small is better than not at all. Two minutes is better than no minutes. A walk around the block, even if it's a walk to the corner of your street and back, is going to do you the world of good because it takes it takes us out of the sympathetic nervous system and re-engages the parasympathetic nervous system. And when we're out of the sympathetic nervous system, we are out of fight or flight. And a whole ton, you know, I, I talk a lot about the neuroscience of all of this. It is understanding the way the brain works and leveraging that understanding to build high performance and build mental health and well-being uh, and resilience. But something as simple as walking, uh it, it activates the calming parts of our brain. And you know, in a business context, doing walking meetings, it opens up this part of yes. the brain. So we're yeah. more creative, we're more connected, less, less uh cortisol, more oxytocin. We're going to connect. So so walking meetings with your team members is is a very good thing with your loved ones, with your your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend you know connection um so quick quick wins are very very helpful
1: quick and easy wins now that's great it's very practical and and uh i i uh i've done a few things with my kids in in the past um and my eldest is almost 18 now and often for me too i i used to manage my anxiety or worry is is my sort of Final thing for myself to switch off that kind of, you know, uh, voice in the back of my head was there's nothing you can do about it right now and worrying about it is not going to fix anything. So why don't you go to bed and have a good sleep and then tomorrow we can get up and uh, see what we can do about it then. And uh, yeah. I've trained myself and my kids that with that, you know, the kids are a bit bit anxious about school or you know a certain race or an exam or something like that and i said right now there's nothing that worry is going to do about that go to bed have a good night's sleep and tomorrow we'll be fresh and uh, I, I like that something practical something simple walk to the corner but but the science behind it is what's happening right it's it's getting the body going it's getting those things firing that we need
0: Very much so. And you know, what you're talking about is it is a really wonderful strategy. Uh, In fact, in the book, I talk about this as a as a key strategy, it's called postponing worry. um, Because it's strategies and uh, there's, you know, a step by step description of how to engage in this, it's about you being in control of worry, rather than worry being in control of you. And we can't shut down our thoughts, we cannot stop our thoughts, but we can change our relationship with them. And, you know, there's, there's certain tools in the book and in the mind strength methodology where we can allow ourselves because sometimes worry, will want to boss us around at 2am at 3am. So it's, you know, if you try and squash it at 2am and 3am and say, just, just go away, um, doesn't quite work. so we have to, we have to pay respect to our thoughts but it's engaging with them in a in a way where you feel more in control of those thoughts rather than the thoughts bowling you over and being in control of you
1: yeah could you talk uh maybe uh for a couple of minutes about the world of you know financial stress and financial anxiety uh certainly uh certainly for me coaching people about money for almost 20 odd years now, you know, seems to be one of these things that uh, seems to cause a lot of stress for people. Um, A lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, like you're saying before, can I pay the bills? Can I make it work? Do you see that stuff showing up in your work too? I'm sure it all sort of crosses over from time to time, the anxiety about, you know, financial stress. And is there any sort of tips you could share with the listeners uh, today from your research and, and some of your, your mind strength methods?
0: yeah absolutely um you know financial stress again that protective instinct kicking in because we want to uh, we want to be safe we want to be well it's it's if you think about you know maslow's hierarchy of needs we need shelter we need we need to be able to put food on the table so it does tap into our primitive survival instinct and it is a worry story that can wreak havoc in our lives um and oftentimes for The protector in us the most caring of human beings right and so basically what we want to what we can recognize is that grappling with that story is trying to get certainty when there is no certainty and so if you can start to conceptualize let's call it the money story or the finance story or the i'm going to screw up story whatever you want to call it um, it is a story, and uh, and it's a, is it helping you? Well, in all likelihood, people believe I need to worry because if I don't worry, I won't necessarily be motivated towards action. But that's not actually the case. It's not worry that motivates us towards action. It's problem. You know, it's not worry that helps us towards action. Worry actually takes us away from it. Mm. It it is problem solving around what's in our control. That is what helps us, and so starting to build self awareness around what is going on, that worry story uh, around finances, it might just as easily be a health, a health story or a, a, an illness story or a you know a judgment story, right? Um, they are all just our attempts to grapple with uncertainty, and uh, so move out of that into action planning around what's in your control and that is the key to success
1: put your uh, efforts into those things and not into um, the worry the anxiety the stress the the crazy eight the the circular thinking pattern but like you said it only diminishes your capacity to think clearly by stressing and worrying about it
0: Exactly. And then do everything that you are that you share in all of your wisdom. Jason is about you know implementing what is in your control, which is the whole toolkit that you share with your community um, over the decades of experience that you've had. Uh, and you know that's something we, we want to move from anxiety into practical action uh, around what's in your control.
1: No, I love it, and uh, you know, I think that was uh, it was quite a good little one there. You're saying, okay, well, no, just so we know, there's no such thing as certainty. Um, so let's let that go. You, let's work on the things we can, you know, have some influence on. But you can't be certain. Like, there's no like, if I do this, this will go exactly perfectly to plan. Um, you know, <laughs> we will do our best to make it go there. But uh, you know, perfection, like you said, is not is not possible um, all the time, anyway.
0: Yeah, and the challenge is, uh, our body wants certainty, our mind wants certainty. Yes, so yes. We have to build awareness around that and start to practice sitting with the discomfort of uncertainty and uh, implementing around what's in our control.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's a little sort of um, interesting conversation in and around. You know, you know, are we? you know, becoming too safe? Is it something, you know, like I, I think about where I grew up as a kid and and uh, is it something that because we're now just more aware of it encouraging people to come out or, you know, I was like, oh, well, when, when did anyone ever talk about being anxious when I was a kid? I couldn't remember it. You know, I, I don't know if it was the same for you or maybe because of your industry and your career, you got a bit more exposure. But um, is it is it because we're more aware and we're happy to talk about it or is it because, Maybe a bit of both. Is it because our social system has become just more stressful and fast and insanely complicated, you know, when it comes to our world? What, what are your thoughts on that one?
0: Uh, it's both, you know. Fortunately, we are more aware, and I, I probably have talked for a cumulative thousands and thousands of hours with the media and with, <laughs> you know, on, on spaces like this to. Yes. To try and be a, a champion of change and to build awareness and to help people to feel empowered and, de- and destigmatize a lot of mental health challenges that people experience. Um, you know, I, I take great joy in, in working hard to do that. So we are certainly as a society uh, building more awareness, and which is a great thing. Uh, however, society is also uh, increasing, does engage at an increasingly fast pace. You know, I write in the book about about these societal issues, and and there was a lot more certainty in our work context, predictability, less change. If you think about the world of work now, it is such an agile space, and mm. so we have to sit with greater level of comfort in being agile and leveraging opportunity. So many of the keynotes that I do is about how to manage change as organizations, how to uh, build peak performance amidst uncertainty and change is one of yeah. the key keynotes that I'm commonly asked to do because the the business context is such that is out of line with uh, what we typically feel comfortable in. And so there's a lot of stress in the workplace because of the level of uncertainty that we have to sit with. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's a combination of both.
1: And with that, you know, the, the, just talking for a moment on this peak performance concept. You know, you and I have both sort of um, uh, moved in some business coaching circles and some some different information flowing our way. You know, the idea that a healthy level of stress um, is actually good for certain things as long as it's recognised and, and and managed. Can you talk about that for a moment, sort of, you know, when stress okay and then it becomes not okay, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh so burnout is a hot topic at the moment. Yeah. Uh lots and lots of uh people wanting to know more about burnout because covid has tipped many people many whole organisations into burnout. Yes. Uh not funny. It's a it's a real real problem in society at the yes. moment. Yeah. And uh, so uh what we want to recognise is that Burnout um, is because of this protracted uncertainty. Uh, mindset aspects are what contributes to burnout. Um, so, uh, to, uh, remind me, Jason, what's your what was your original question?
1: No, I was just sort of saying, you know, when we've got um, lots of stress, but sometimes a certain amount of stress is good for us to you know build muscle let's build mental toughness let's build emotional toughness you know you you don't sort of build muscle by sitting on the couch and not stressing your muscles is yeah, it the same yeah. about you know the stress of stress you know a, a a a good level of stress is good because you can build up you know resistance resilience whatever that might be you know
0: yes so stress is uh it, it's not it's not just about amount so it's mm. not just about quantity. Uh, it, it's it's a it's such an important point that you raise here. It's about uh, many many factors, in essence. And it's not just about the hours that you work. You know that's not what tips us into burnout yeah. in and of itself. That can be a contributor, but it is about mindset. It's about what are we focused on. Mindset is critical to facilitate uh peak performance even and mitigate against burnout even if we're working incredibly long hours it is a critical component of this so uh are we you know we can be in a state of flow in a state of hell yeah my adrenaline is pumping and i'm on fire here and i'm loving it, right? So this is what's called stress. It's called, po- it's positive stress. stress being E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And when we feel that, hell yeah, let's do this kind of uh, yep. mindset. So that's when we're focused on our goals and we are peak, we're high performers in that. Um, whereas when we are getting caught up in fear, getting caught up in focusing on our threats. That's what's going to tip that adrenaline into overdrive and tip us into burnout and make us much more at risk, not just of mental health problems, but of physical health problems because protracted stress, chronic stress uh, wreaks havoc on our mind and on our body. Good news again, positive stories, positive messages. These are all very, very helpable. If you're experiencing long standing stress, if you feel that you're not quite yourself and your mind is spinning in overdrive, if you feel like you're exhausted and you don't know what's going on, it certainly could be any one of many physical health problems, but these are also hallmark features characteristics of burnout burnout has a habit of creeping up on people but when you're sitting in burnout it is a feeling like um you know some of my leaders i've worked with leaders of multinationals who have who have been in burnout and they describe it um you know one person comes to mind he said to me I don't know. I just don't feel like myself. I don't know what's going on. I cannot function. I feel like I'm walking through sludge, and um, you cannot you cannot just soldier on through this because it becomes a physiological challenge yeah. that you must look after yourself if you're sitting in burnout.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm assuming it'd show up in chronic ways, you know, in physical ways you know, the longer that you push that through. So, you know, for those who uh, are feeling that way right now, um, like Jody said, reach out. Yeah, yeah.
0: And there are, in fact, um, there are chapters in the book that uh, are specifically on uh, managing against burnout and uh, depression. And, you know, one of the tools in the Mind Strength Toolkit is, in fact, powerful uh, mood boosters to not just to help if you're in burnout or if you're experiencing depression but to provide strategies to prevent uh, it in the first place prevention yeah. is always better than cure we want to prevent pre- preempt, and prevent
1: yeah well uh it's been uh it's been fantastic to chat to you today dr jody i know um uh my team have put in an order for uh your books we've got 110 team and i've got uh all of them a copy uh, of the book going their way as well. My leadership team um, uh, are reading the book too because we've certainly had a few of our team have some challenges and stresses as we have as leaders over, over COVID times and um, there's very practical, amazing, good stuff in the book. And uh, I encourage anyone listening in to get hold of it. It's, uh, it's excellent. So I do appreciate uh, you uh, spending some time with us today, but I do ask one question of all of my guests. Uh, the podcast is called The Wealth Faculty. And uh, we talk about the people you surround yourself with, the faculty members that you put on your faculty, but also uh, the faculty, the physical, mental, emotional faculty that you have, that you bring to life. Um, and um, I do ask a question uh, of all my guests, and it is, what is the true meaning of wealth, Dr. Jody? What is the true meaning of wealth to you?
0: Oh, that is such an awesome question. The first, I'll share the first thing that's come to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um you know well there's there's a dual a dual first thing that's come to my mind let's say so certainly that the the true meaning of wealth for me is the well-being of my family and uh, and and love and joy amongst my family i have uh i have a beautiful life partner my husband and i have three magnificent kids so that is absolute wealth in abundance for me um so that is the true meaning of wealth for me uh, as a professional, um, the true meaning of wealth professionally is, quite frankly, chain, helping people transform. So, so um, I'm on a very heart-driven mission to, to change the world, you know. it sounds, it, it is such an authentic statement because I know the power of the Mind Strength Method and uh, the feedback that I'm getting from people on scale is that it's transforming their lives. And I cannot tell you how much joy that gives me because uh, it is a new narrative on anxiety and it is leveraging a very powerful wealth of uh, evidence-based strategies. So um, the mind strength method reaching the world and having global impact is absolutely um, a powerful meaning of wealth for me.
1: Nice, and uh, I can I can tell you it's well on its way. I've seen uh, I've seen many many little uh, pieces of the the web connecting from my seat too. So well done, and uh, sorely needed. And uh, hopefully this conversation today will continue that ripple effect out into affecting the world and doing something amazing as uh, as uh, as you have been uh, doing for so long. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for writing the book. And um, appreciate your time, Dr. Jody, on the Wealth Faculty today.
0: Beautiful, Jason. Thank you for chatting and having me on your show. And it's just a joy to connect with equally heart-driven professionals such as yourself. Really loved chatting with you today.
1: Beautiful, thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Wealth Faculty. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe where all good podcasts are found. You can find us there. And if you want to watch it, you can subscribe on YouTube, Positive Mentor TV. And until the next episode, take care. Bye for now.